What's up, all my groovy listeners and gals? Welcome back to Uncle Jay's Lounge. Today, we're tackling two big topics, the evolution of AI and music and the 2022 Olympics. Before we hop into that, I want to reach over to my Uncle Jay and see how he's doing this week. Man, I'm doing good. It's uh, another week, another opportunity to record a great podcast and kind of go over some new and exciting things around the world. How about you? How are you doing, Julian? Doing good. The weather around me is the sun's coming out, a little less rain, so I can't complain. And, you know, you sent over some uh, new music this week, uh, which could have fooled me that it wasn't the actual artist. Man, I was shocked myself when I sent it. But essentially, to catch you guys up, there has been new creations, I guess, from a kind of a group called The Lost Tapes of the 27 Club. And essentially, they've remade some of our like most popular and beloved artists purely using AI to generate the songs. So we're talking Nirvana, Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse, and more. And, well, I guess to round it out, Kurt Cobain and Jim Morrison, which is just insane, man. It's just crazy. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. Hmm? It's interesting to say the least i like i said when you sent it over i listened to there's four tracks available on spotify and to a certain extent if i wouldn't have known or read the article beforehand i would have thought these may have been lost tapes in some regards you know at a first listen and at a second listen you pick up on some different things but it's that crossing point to where we touched on uh, a few episodes ago where artificial intelligence or technology in general is scaling and changing and editing potential things in our lives to keep certain artists or certain elements of life in mainstay or recreating them through these digital elements. Totally, man. And I think in this particular case, we're not talking about AI is becoming sentient, but more in the fact that we get to pay homage, like you were kind of referencing, to people who we've lost before their time. And specifically, this is to highlight how, you know, mental health issues and, you know, drug abuse takes talent away from this earth way before it should ever have. And so I think that this is kind of a new and cool implementation of a little bit of awareness of, you know, let's make sure we take care of ourselves so that we don't have to recreate artists likeness through AI to kind of relive some of those glory days. Right. Yeah. The, the combination of utilizing AI to learn the rhythms, melodies, lyrics, hooks, et cetera, of these artists, such as Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse, Cobain, Morrison, and then have that edited by a sound engineer to make them sound appealing uh, is kind of what happened here. But I'd like to hear your take, Jordan, on what does this mean? Say you're a relative of Jimi Hendrix or of Amy Winehouse, and someone can create an AI representation or a song featuring you know, the voice or melodies of a certain artist, and they're getting paid for that. Is there a way for you to get a royalty on that or you to own that? Where does that line become prevalent you know the licensing issues on this thing is just a massive headache and then and there i kind of push myself away from it because i feel like maybe this should just be treated as almost like a cover band just kind of a really really high-tech cover band that's really good and 
I'm I'm a little bit torn because, you know, in one perspective, we are a little bit kind of pulling back someone from the dead and recreating them and possibly even recreating some ideas and things that they've worked for and established. But I'm, you know, to go back to your original question, I'm not sure where someone's likeness or taking someone's likeness is too far. Have you thought about that? Yeah, I listened to the tracks a few times and with each track I I don't know I, I think I kind of chose a side a little bit more initially I thought wow this is really clever this is cool but the more I thought about it you know I don't necessarily agree with it at this point in time as you mentioned I think you know the dead should remain dead I think especially when artists of this caliber and you know using their likeness their melodies rhythms lyrics to in some relation you know promote right this they're trying to promote a, the cause for mental health but you're also promoting yourself through this by utilizing you know your programs and softwares and techniques um, and learning variables to do so so i think it's one of those areas where the idea is cool but I don't know if I, I would hop on to any further iterations of this for, you know, musicians or movies in some regards. It's funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly where some big companies are taking that. Uh, if you guys listened to our last podcast, we mentioned how Microsoft is playing heavy in the military contractor game, delivering artificial or augmented reality cloud support and infrastructure to a few military branches in the U.S., but also, Julian, to your dismay, they've actually gotten a patent for recreating likenesses. So, for instance, if you die, and maybe I've talked about this before, but if you die, I can collect all this information, give it to Microsoft, and then they can create a AI Julian to talk to me on this podcast forever. What do you think of that? We doth not purchase it, Slick Willie. We doth not purchase it. <laughs> Bigger. The, the problem for me is it's still the wild, wild west, but how do, I, how do I profit from that? How do I say I pass away in the future and someone decides to use my likeness or the information from this podcast or our dialects to create us or iterations of us? How does my family profit from that? which is becomes the weird thing of utilizing someone's information and likeness to to profit on. I mean, that's what NCAA football from EA Sports ran into. They're directly ripping players from college universities, putting them in the games and not paying for them. And now they get hit with a hefty lawsuit and have to pay out to all these players and had to stop the game because you can't just rip a direct likeness of someone and use it without paying them. So how does that work when someone has past that's where it gets a little odd for me well i think the main idea for it isn't to profit but it is well i guess in a way benefit of you being around or existing so people miss you so honestly it's kind of just purely selfish like if you died and i was like well i want to still hang out with julian and talk you know those that's where i think you bridge into what they're trying to do but of course there is a huge issue like well, and the question then becomes, how close can you get to an Amy Winehouse? Which I listened to that song, man, and I really liked it. Uh, the lyrics were off, but in an AI way. 
but how close can you get to Amy Winehouse until you're Amy Winehouse? I guess that's a question that you got to ask yourself. And that's something I noticed with the Nirvana track and Kurt Cobain was there's still that element. It is, you know, machine generated and created where you're missing, you know, that's very infantile and in its steps, but you're missing a lot of the energy or the soul. It just kind of, after a few listens, it sounds a little bit more empty um, just because I think you're missing some of that raw, you know, emotion, soul, energy of that individual. And maybe down the line, that's where they figure it out. It's just curious to see, you know, what, maybe call me old fashioned, but like why photos and videos don't necessarily, you know, for some people, if someone's lost, like why those won't do the justice. I, I kind of understand where some of those people who may want this come from, but at this point in time, everyone has majority of the the developed world has such a strong device in their pocket all the time that you can capture so many moments to utilize and look back on and be happy about um, rather than pulling someone back from the 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 afterlife or the dead. Yeah, and I think that's actually exactly the target they were trying to hit is these artists sober without kind of the under the influence of drugs creates a very, very hollow version of them. So I totally agree. There's there's something that you miss out on not having the person itself, but it's kind of an extraordinary time that we live in that we get to argue, not if it's possible, but should we bring artists back and I'm leaning towards the camp of no, let the dead rest and let's enjoy what they've made so far and let their life be a lesson of this is how we should live our lives or this is something that we should live by knowing of their legacy or how they live theirs. I agree. I think at a certain point, this just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't value um, certain lives in some regards if you could just bring them back. Um from whatever issues they had. And then also I think it would be bound to create a lot more issues for those using these products in a mental health state. Like if you had brought back a, uh, you know, a long lost cousin or grandpa or a, you know, a young child, like that's, it's kind of like seeing a ghost, um, a little odd in some regards, but we'll see where it goes. Um, but like you said, for now, not on, not on that side for this to really continue too strongly. Yeah, not at all. But if you guys are curious about the tracks themselves, we'll have a link, of course, to the article, which has a link to the songs. And as far as their likeness, honestly, the people that I've showed outside of you, Julian, I would say all of them were saying, oh, wow, it's cool how machine learning can clean up a dirty song or something that they found on an old hard drive or something. So it's, they totally got fooled in the aspect of how machine learning or AI was even involved in this operation, which as far as somebody who's super into the game and kind of has a passion for artificial intelligence and machine learning, I think it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll see where it goes. It definitely is an, you know, an interesting listen um, just to see where it's at. And, you know, I'm sure we'll see more examples, unfortunately, come down the line. But, you know, this is one of the first big iterations of it um, that you'll see outside of, you know, deep fakes in terms of media. Uh, so it'll be it'll be fascinating to see 
how companies decide to utilize this and the public's reaction as this idea gains some traction. Do you, just out of an interesting kind of morality question, if the net utility of creating somebody's likeness was overwhelmingly positive, should we do it? And I know that's probably not as best as I can articulate it, being that an analogy might help. But let's say, for instance, that um, you're, I don't know, a friend of yours got hit by a car and they died and the, the driver was a drunk driver and they died too. And let's say that they could recreate that drunk driver to apologize and all parties agreed to it. Do you think that something like that would be okay or should be okay? No, I don't. It doesn't really solve anything, right? At the end of the day, they're both still gone, and it's not it's not the the driver apologizing; it's the machine apologizing. And that's, I think, the thing for me. Regardless, is it's not additive, right? It'd be cool if we could get you know a very detailed thought process on how you know individuals thought and maybe their perspectives, but utilizing historical analysis of things doesn't really add anything to a new idea or new perspective that maybe, you know, 30 years from now, things may be very different. It'd be, you know, you won't be getting anything from that friend that's new or like them. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, as opposed to it just being a, you know, a a guess based on the data provided from their, their lifetime. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is humans are, are not deterministic in a sense. So you can't take all the information you have of somebody and all the information they possess of themselves and then make decisions on their behalf, you know, fully anticipating what they're going to do, which, you know, I think that's an argument for another day, but I think it's an interesting one too. But yeah, I think you're right. It doesn't help. It doesn't give anybody back in that specific situation, but I think it's going to be something that we find in the future in a very black mirror dystopian type way right yeah and i think there's there's gonna be a balance right now i think the perfect balance is the the holograms and you look at like tupac playing a song that he had already done that's cool you can differentiate tech versus real life like oh that's you know tupac hologram playing uh dear mama or whatever as opposed to tupac playing a brand new song in today's style it's kind of a weird blur of the lines Um, And maybe Tupac wouldn't agree with today's style and things like that. So like you said, it is fascinating. It's cool tech. Uh, We'll just see how it's, you know, implemented. Totally. And I think that this is a pretty good segue to something that, you know, I'm going to challenge you right now, Julian. Can you figure out a way in how AI bringing musicians back from the dead relates to countries like the U.S. and possibly U.S. allies? considering protesting and boycotting the Beijing Olympics of 2022? Uh, yeah, that's that's a loaded question. Um, I think in terms of artificial intelligence and where, you know, you can maybe cross over to towards the Olympics is um, you may be able to use artificial intelligence for different networks on decision-making and utilizing historical data to better understand the outcomes of proposed scenarios, just like the U.S. is considering boycotting the 2022 Olympics with U.S. allies due to, you know, the People's Republic of China um, and 
what they're doing towards the the minorities there and what they're doing to control their civilians um, as the the morals of you know the US and some other countries don't necessarily align and bringing global economy and wealth and promotion of those areas um, may not be the best alongside of you know mass oppression of a certain you know individual or minorities in the country so I'll give you some props for squeaking out of that because that was pretty unfair of me because I wouldn't have been able to figure out a direct tie or relation to those things. So well done. And to give what you just said a little bit more color, specifically what the sticking points or the points that we really aren't a fan or can't accept of what China is doing is... There's, you know, from the Biden and Trump administrations, they both labeled what China's doing as a genocide or attempts of genocide to control the Muslim Uyghur minority in parts of China. And so that is, of course, something that's been ongoing. And I think there's been kind of mounting international pressure for these type of actions or calling out or holding China accountable. And of course, even more publicized, I believe, is China's attempts of stifling the pro-democracy um, existence of Hong Kong, which is under China's control. It's interesting how China's become the superpower in our lifetimes and how they continue to grow and scale where some of those original documents, contracts, rules, regulations placed on them no longer fit their current size and their current power as opposed to what it was 30 years ago. And this is where it's starting to kind of clash with the global scale. And these countries are coming in and the Olympics being a a global historical games. Previously, they had in 1980, I believe they had boycotted the Olympic games in Moscow um, due to the, you know, the Soviet Union invading Afghanistan. Um, and kind of a, a solidarity pact to say, you know, we don't agree with this. We don't necessarily have to participate in the Olympics. Um, and eventually, you know, the Soviets withdraw that, you know, boycotting the Olympics. Does that actually make the change that's needed? That's where, you know, the question really comes into into effect. Personally, man, I feel like there's merit on both sides. So it's tough making a decision for these athletes that have sacrificed so much and the majority of their waking lives to a certain sport or opportunity to go to the Olympics. But some things are much bigger than, you know, you or I's existence or any individual's existence. So I totally understand considering and attempts of boycotts in the past, but I also feel a little jaded that it's these kind of solidarity attempts that don't really do anything, that make a lot of noise, but in the end of the day, nobody's willing to stand up and say, okay, I really don't rock with this and this is why type of thing. You know, if it's going to just be a boycott, then I think it's kind of silly, but it needs to be ramifications of some sort that this boycott is actually a signifier of solidarity between a bunch of countries. And that's when I could get behind it enacting kind of, let's say, covenants or of some sort to China to kind of get them to act appropriately, so to speak. What do you think about that? Like you said, it's 
It's a very, very layered and tricky situation to be in because on one side, you don't necessarily want to start or poke the bear and potentially start a, a large you know, war at some scale. But at the same, same area, if you are doing this and that's all you're doing, is that really beneficial to you know, the the minorities that are being oppressed in China, is that helping them in any sort of way? Uh, I think, as you mentioned, there may have to be a plan or a larger statement or idea in place to do so. Once again, this is in 2022, so it's a year out and mm-hmm. it could potentially change, but it is a very slippery slope on a global scale to go against or poke one of the the powerhouses. And that's kind of what we've seen so far in this whole thing is the the timidness, if that's a word, um, towards this situation, unfortunately. And that solely belongs to the fact of countries are scared of China. They, they have a long reach and they're quick and sharp to snap back. As we've seen with, you know, they're willing to play ball when it comes to tariffs. And they also have, you know, in kind of one leader type of thing with uh, their leader Xi Ping, I believe, the the whole effect of having a giant monstrous country like the U.S. is that certain actions and movements are slow and monotonous by design. So if you want to pass a law, it has to go through Congress. They need to vote on it. The you know House of Representatives have duties to attend to when it comes to passing laws, and that's federal. But you could also do state, which is kind of a different thing as well. So, in their hands, they actually have one guy making a lot of quick decisions, which also leads to them being overreactive in certain ways because there's only one person to bounce the idea off of. So that's why we're seeing countries kind of fall by the wayside in a lot of instances of China doing things that are off color. So we'll see. I'm I'm not too hopeful for some dramatic, you know, turn of events when it comes to the Winter Olympics. I recently read Obama's re- most recent book, uh, not to be political in any sort of way, but one of the interesting things he had talked about is when China was a a growing country in you know the early 70s 80s they had signed all of these different packs for china at this scale uh, and all these different agreements and contracts and then those were never updated and so today the reason why china has grown so fast is one they've created a vicious game plan upon their growth to take advantage of those non-updated packs and agreements and two, China now is the, the central part of the global economy, at least, you know, for the U.S., you have to think about how many things are made and distributed from China. You look at, you know, the potential negative effects of the Suez Canal being blocked and all the shipment from China to uh, the U.S. and other areas being backed up that even if it doesn't turn into a, a huge conflict, as Jordan had mentioned, there's a lot of levers China can pull to really affect other countries. Um, and so it is a very slow, it's going to be a very slow process to get this figured out. 
appropriately without making overtly rash decisions. Yeah, definitely. There's, well, it's not a simple thing. It's not a simple thing to figure out, especially when you're dealing with these big and really, really powerful and uh, unwieldy things like countries and the kind of the power scales and the political strategy when it comes to it. So it's not going to be something that is going to be handled in, you know, five easy steps or anything cute like that. Uh, It'll be something really, really quite interesting to see if anything comes of it. But I think we're going to need some quite hawkish leadership to actually see some big time change, to be honest. And on a side note, not related, what winter Olympic sport would you participate in and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what winter Olympic sport would I participate in? I think it would have to be, you know, my heart says curling, but I think my body, my body says bobsledding. So, you know, that's right. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> cool, run, really? cool runnings is coming back. Yeah, seriously, man. Uh, just that, that itself is such a, I don't know how to describe what a cultural phenomenon or impact that had on me as a kid, but it was like so outstanding to see a sport that I've never seen or witnessed before done by people I never expected to doing it being like just a monstrous hit, man. Right place, right time. Most definitely what I would participate in as well. It is kind of dangerous, but it looks fun. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, but all the cool things are dangerous, so that, you know, fits the bill. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe, uh, you know, eventually with AI, maybe they'll recreate uh, the bobsledding team as a, a hologram to race and compete against for cool runnings um, in, you know, future games or whatnot. Uh, but with that being said, the, the the Olympics in China and the China thing is very complicated. By no means are we any experts or very qualified to to talk about this, but it is an interesting conversation piece to kind of open the mind and uh, you know see different perspectives and thought processes on what's occurring over there. Totally, and that's why we're here and you're here to open the mind, talk about interesting things, and kind of just kick it and being on a conversation that you would have yourself. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Let us know your thoughts on AI recreation or the Olympics in general, or the Olympics in China, to be more specific. We always love your feedback, and we love to to know that you're listening out there. Peace.